We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Field of 68. Field of 68 till I die. You got somebody, hey, Jeff, shut up. Hell no. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out for a second. <laughs> this is Alabama coach Nate Oates. When we're not playing, I watch Field of 68's After Dark Show. This is coach Bruce Pearl. I love the Field of 68 After Dark Show. This is Duke head coach John Shire. Check out Field of 68 After Dark. This is Xavier head coach Sean Miller. I highly encourage you to take a look at After Dark. Now listen to you guys every morning when I'm getting ready. This is Field of 68 After Dark. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sunday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. We are live series XM Channel 84 College Sports Radio. We are also streaming over on the YouTube channel. If you want to jump in the chat, ask us some questions. We will be answering them in the afters. Uh, our tagline, the bluest of the blue bloods. Well, folks, there are no more blue bloods left in the NCAA tournament. Duke is gone. Kentucky is gone. Kansas is gone. And uh, T, I'm sorry, man, North Carolina, they never made it. Uh, the smallest of the mid-majors also gone. FAU took down fairly Dickinson tonight. It was a wild uh, capping of the second weekend of the tournament. My name is Rob Dosh. To break it all down with me, I have Tyler Hansborough and I have Terrence Oglesby. And where we are going to start, fellas, is with Michigan State and Tom Izzo making their way back to the Sweet 16 and picking off everybody's darling, Shaka Smart and Marquette. 69 to 60. Tyson Walker had 23 points in that. T.O., I don't know if you heard after the game, Tom Izzo said, when he gets to New York, when he gets to Madison Square Garden, when they get to the Sweet 16, he's going to have Tyson Walker buy him a slice of pizza. That's all he wants, and he's going to use his NIL money to do it. What do you make of these Spartans? Are they back? Well, let me first say this. Uh, I'm glad that they're going to New York for good pizza, not to Connecticut. Thank God UConn gets to go to New York uh, to get some quality pizza as well. But I, that's neither here nor there. Uh, what I make of Michigan State is, and it's kind of what I made about this whole NCAA tournament, guys, Teams that play in the mud are going to come out on top a lot of times in the NCAA tournament. You can't call every foul. Michigan State thrives in that. They do that all season long. The problem is, is they get a lot of foul calls. A lot of guys get in foul trouble. Well, NCAA tournament, referees swallow their whistles a little bit. All that being said, that's where they flourish, and that's why they've been so good for so long. It's not just Michigan State, but it's San, uh, it's San Diego State. It's uh, Tennessee that just beat the ever-living hell out of Duke. Like Teams that play in that manner, that are willing to foul, chuck cutters, do all those things, if you're the more physical team in the NCAA tournament, you're going to have a chance. That's the reason 
Izzo keeps going and having these teams that surprise people every single year. That on top of the fact that there's guard play this season for Michigan State. Uh, Hogard was good again, 13 and four, had five turnovers, whatever. And then Tyson Walker, it, I mean, he took on the challenge. He knew he was going up against Tyler Kolick, who Big East player of the year, yada, yada, yada. Tyson Walker attacked the rim with reckless abandon the entire time. And I think Kolick's hand bothered him too. I think that was a bigger factor than I think people understand. Mm -hmm. Tyler, what do you make of him? Well, I'm with T on this, and there's nobody else that coaches more in the mud than Izzo. I mean, you talk about an Izzo team that will get after you defensively. Uh, traditionally, they're known for just dominating the rebounding aspect of the game. But the one thing I do like about this is we saw that they shot about 12% from the three-point line, uh, if I'm looking at it right. Yeah, and so they came in, I think, before the tournament, they were fourth in the country in three-point field goal percentage. And it just shows you – that even though that is a big stat, they play in the mud. They will get down and get dirty and grind out a win uh, the old-fashioned way. And so Michigan State just kind of doing what Michigan State does. And Tyler Kolick, uh, one of my favorite players, just had a just had an awful game. And uh, it's tough for Marquette to kind of thrive without him. Yeah, I, I think it was in his head. I think the moment was in his head. I think that uh, the defense that he was playing against was in his head. I think the thumb was in his head. I, you guys, can I, I think that I want to say, I think the thumb was in his head bigger than the moment. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't, I'm not sure I buy that one. I think the thumb was in his head because there was a couple of times where he was going right and he wouldn't usually put the ball out that soft. He would usually, you know, rip it back or pick up his dribble. There was some times where he would get in the lane, they would be pawing at it and he wouldn't do what he usually does and grab that thing, keep his elbows high. Like the, I, I think the thumb was a bigger aspect than people realize like that, that thing is painful and it controls everything you do. I know it was his offhand, but being a point guard, it's difficult. Yep. Um, I do want to talk about Tyson Walker really quick again, because this was a guy that last season uh, Spartan fans had a, a great deal of expectation for, and he did not deliver uh, for most of the year. A lot of that has to do with transferring. A lot of that has to do with transferring up. A lot of it has to do with learning what Izzo asks of a point guard. This year, he has been incredible from start to finish. Uh, I think about yep. the games that they played against Purdue. He was dominant in both those games. They didn't win those games, but he was terrific in them. He was terrific tonight. He's uh, stepped up to the moment, T, and I, I do think that at the end of the day, because of a lot of the reasons that Tio talked about, you need to have great guard play in this tournament. You need to have guys when everything else goes away because everyone's grabbing you and hitting you and they've scouted you and they know everything that you're running. You got to have dudes that can go make a play. Mission State's got two of them. That's a good thing to have. Absolutely. And Michigan State's a very balanced team. And also I think the fact that uh, Izzo has a ton of experience uh, says a lot for this team. He knows how to coach going into the tournament. He knows how to prepare a team. And – for me, a big man, and I love big men, I love post-play, I, I, I want to go against you. I want to form an argument and say, hey, no, uh, the big men, they dominate it. That's what you need. We saw at Purdue. I mean, you just – you got to have guards that can handle pressure. And also, this Michigan State team, to me, is balanced. They have five players averaging between 9 and 15 points per game. So you, you can get it from a lot of players on this team, uh, but in particular, those two players uh, stepping up and playing big have kind of been the key to their success to me. Yeah. T.O., can they make it out of New York? Can they go there? They get uh, they get Kansas State. We're going to talk about them in a second. But they get Kansas State in the Sweet 16. Then they got to play the winner of Tennessee 
and Florida Atlantic, which is going to be a fascinating matchup. We're going to talk about that later on in the show. Uh, but what do you make of Michigan State's chances? Because I, when I'm sitting here looking at it on paper right now, when I'm looking at the bracket, it's very difficult for me to not say, I think Tom Izzo's probably the favorite right now. At least in, in that bracket, you think they're better than Kansas State? I, I thought Kansas State showed really well. And, and even though Tyson Walker's played well and Hogarth's played well, uh, put me on the Marquise Noel train. Like, that dude today was so freaking good. Now, can they make it there? Can they muck it up? Sure. If they play against Tennessee, if they play against Tennessee, there might not be a healthy player left after that game. Everybody's going to have broken arms and broken legs. Like, they're not going to be able to finish the game because they play so freaking hard and, and basically foul each other to death. It'll be a free throw competition. That all being said, can they do it? Sure. Do I think they're going to do it? Nah. I think I'm going to go either with Kansas State or Tennessee just because I think there's more uh, there's more talent on both of those rosters. And if they play Tennessee, I feel like Tennessee's just bigger and they do the same stuff. So that that's kind of where I, I would, you know, differ on that one. I just love the guard play. Speaking of guard play, Tyler, you've been on this bandwagon. Uh, I think since the first show that I did with you, you've been all over Marquise Noel. You've been talking him up. You've been hyping him up. You've been telling us that he's your favorite player in college basketball to watch. And kids from Harlem, we saw Rucker Park Marquise Noel uh, come out tonight. He had the behind-the-back pass for a dunk. He had a between-the-legs pass. He made a dude fall and the hit a three. Like He finished with 27 points, nine assists, three steals on 7-for-14 shooting and sent home the Kentucky Wildcats. We're going to let you give your Kentucky eulogy here in a second. But before we do, hey, look, you got you to give your boys flowers, man. That was an unbelievable performance today. Man, I'm, I'm telling people – that this kid, Marquise Noel, can hoop. And he's a competitor. And when I watched the game, not only did he score, but some of these passes he had, uh, getting his teammates involved, I just absolutely love it. Um, also, the fact that he is a short guard um, and how tough he is. And a lot of people doubt him. He plays with a chip on his shoulder, uh, transferred portal, uh, you know, typical New York uh, mentality. I absolutely love watching him play. I love lighting him, you know, watching him light it up and pass and getting his teammate involved. He, he just keeps on getting better and better. It, he's impossible to keep in front. I, guys, some of these shots, too, and the fact that he's hitting shots consistently is the hardest part about guarding somebody like that because he's so freaking fast, but you can't leave him alone. And he pulled a couple guys. I mean – groundbreaking stuff like pulling up off the dribble going left off a ball screen you can't play low and the problem is if you try to play drop coverage against that like Sheboy tried to do early in the game forget it like he's going to be able to line it up check the win and knock it down and the other and on, on the flip side of that when you come out it opens up the roller and the thing is is they weren't playing with a traditional five man for the most of the game they were playing Naquan Tomlin there so as soon as he gets it there, he can make something happen immediately. And then if you try to trap him, he's so fast. Lance Ware tried to trap him out of half court. You can forget it. He just dribbles around the slower guy and then finds that little that, – that alley-oop at the end of the game. Oh, She was sexy. She was yes. sexy. And I think sexy is a weird word to use when talking about basketball. But all right. that being said, it was sexy. He threw that thing no look. It was awesome. Capped off the game. It, that game to me, guys, it felt like an Elite Eight game. Didn't feel like around a 32 game. Both of those teams, high level, big bodies, played hard, like fun game to watch. Yeah, we were able to catch up with the man of the hour, Marquise Noel, a little bit earlier tonight from the plane on his flight back to Kansas. 
Let me welcome on to the field of 68 after dark, the man of the hour, Marquise Noel, 27 points, nine assists, three steals, and Kansas State's win over Kentucky. Marquise, you're going to get a chance to go home, man. You're heading back to the garden. You fired up about that? Yeah, man. I'm just so happy and blessed, man. I can't thank God enough. So you guys last year, you won six games in the Big 12. You finished under 500. Coach Tang comes in this year. At what point did you realize you had a team that was good enough to be able to put together a run like this in a season like this? Uh, when we got our last piece, which was Desi Seals, to come on campus, uh, that's when I really knew that, you know, we were destined for some great things. Um, but, you know, my teammates put in a lot of work. You know, the coaching staff put in a lot of work, you know, over the summer and the offseason. And we believed in each other from day one. So once I felt like we had that team chemistry, Let's talk about the game tonight because in both halves, uh, it looked like you guys kind of were, were got out to a slow start, and then you found a way to get it going. The first half was in transition. Second half, it was some of the ball screen stuff. So how how why, how good does it feel to have your your teammates be able to know that they can lean on you to come through in moments like that? I mean, it's big time, man. Uh, the guys trust me to have the ball in my hands. You know, coach. Trusting me with the ball in my hands, and they are comfortable with with any decision I make, um, and it, that that kind of relieves some type of you know pressure in a sense. Uh, um, just you know, I can go out there, be myself, play my game, and you know, create for my teammates. But you know, this win was a testament to our hard work and our togetherness. So, how many people have already hit you up asking to get tickets to the Garden? A lot? Yeah, a lot. But I haven't looked at my phone yet, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be a couple hundred. Well, listen, man, congratulations on the win. Hell of a performance today. Uh, I think you're going to thoroughly enjoy play. Is this the first time you've played in the Garden? Is this your first trip? First trip? Yeah, this is my first trip to history in the Garden, man. How excited are you? I'm, I'm super excited, man. I'm just thankful that God gave me this platform um, that I can use to, to shed my light on him and know my work well listen marquise congratulations have a safe flight back obviously you're calling in from the plan so i appreciate the time my man thank you appreciate you that was marquise noel 27 points nine assists uh made up for the fact that kansas state missed their first 13 three-pointers and keontae johnson uh did not have a typical Keontae Johnson game. Real quick, T.O., Tyler, I want you guys to both hit on this. About 30 seconds. What is the key for Kansas State if they're going to be able to get past Michigan State and then get past whoever comes out of the uh, the other side of that bracket and they can get to Houston? What do they have to do? Go ahead, T. Well, I think they've got to get some uh, contribution from somebody besides Noel and uh, Keontae Johnson. Maybe Sills steps through. Uh, he had some big buckets today. So it's got to be somebody else. Uh, guys, I think they're going to have to compete on the boards a little bit more. I, I think, you know, they are a tough team, but they were out rebounded 44 to 25. That doesn't help things. Another thing is Kansas state was able to open this thing up when they were there, whenever they were able to hit shots, but they start out 0 for 10 from three. Mm-hmm. When you play against Michigan state, those dudes swarm to the ball, those extra passes, you got to be able to knock down shots and it can't just be Noel. Like you have to be able to spread it around, open up the floor. Uh, they have to compete on the boards because we all know Michigan State loves the boards, and then they have to uh, knock down shots, which they couldn't do today until the end, right? You know who else couldn't knock down shots today? Who? Antonio Reeves. One 
for 15 from the floor. He missed his first 14 field goal attempts. I tweeted out a picture of John Starks and said that uh, Antonio Reeves and John Starks had the same kind of performance uh, in the postseason. It is mean. It's a little rough. Um, That's (laughs) the end of Kentucky season. And Tyler, I'm going to go to you first on this one. Uh, how do you how do you view like now that we're looking into the recap of this now that we're talking about what Kentucky did in the past tense how do you view their season how do you view the 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 job that John Calipari did getting Kentucky to the point that they were at it's for Kentucky it's never a good year if they just win one game in the tournament I mean this this I mean this this program came in to the tournament without an NCAA tournament win in fourteen hundred and forty seven days. I mean, and they broke the streak in some ways, uh, but they never lived up to the hype. And I understand that they have a uh, good recruiting class coming in uh, next year, but they won one game and went home. And, uh, you know, I've been saying it all years. They don't have the shooting it takes to advance into the uh, to make a deep deep tournament run. And a lot of people came at me, but they've been in and out of lineups. They could never really get it clicking. They got it going for a little bit, but they just had, you know, such a rough season. There was always something going wrong and uh, they could never quite figure it out. If I had to sum it up, it was a disappointing year for Kentucky. You know what, too? I think the expectation of Kentucky is such a huge thing. And guys, let's be honest. I mean, this, this didn't hit the mark. They, they had a, talented bunch of guys but I think the biggest thing is they had a bunch of really good college players they didn't have a bunch of pros like Calipari has had in the past when he's gotten to final fours and national championships they're good college players not great pros and Tyler you know this I mean there's a difference there's a difference in body size there's a difference in the ability to overwhelm people there's a difference in speed there's a difference in attitude I, I don't think that they had what Calipari's had in the past I think that's the reason for some of the inconsistency uh, when I say inconsistency, I mean strictly from a win-loss perspective because, it, you know, their numbers suggest that they were okay. But whenever it came, you know, push came to shove, Tyler's right. I mean, you, your biggest score goes 1-15 of in your most important game of the year. It's hard. So I, I think it's a disappointment. Uh, I, what I did find interesting is they fired Tubby after losing in the second round, what, two years in a row? Mm-hmm. And they haven't won, won a game prior to this tournament since 19 and then – you know, they they lose after one game in this tournament with guys, let's be honest, whoever they chose in the transfer portal. And some of these other guys were starting to play better too. I think that's that it's concerning. I know he has a lifetime deal, but it's still concerning. So uh, I know they have a good recruiting class. It's, it's not, I'm telling you, it's not a John Wall recruiting class. No. It, it is a very good one. It's not this John Wall, whoever the hell else was it, Eric Bledsoe. It's not that recruiting class. It's a good one, but it's not that. So I, I think there's going to be some frustration. Yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of with both of you guys. I do think that um, Cal deserves some credit for finding a way to make it work with this group. And honestly, I think we probably overrated them a little bit coming into this season. In hindsight, like the guys that they had just weren't necessarily as good as we thought they were going to be. And, and I did not realize how big of a problem it was going to be having Oscar Sheway guard ball screens because that became something that was – exploitable for uh for everybody um, that they played this season look um it's the end of kentucky season we still have 16 teams left where their season is not over yet three of them are from the big east conference creighton advanced xavier advanced and uconn advanced we'll be talking about the big east when we come back 
Are we not Quick doing message from our visual? sponsors. Let me tell you guys about visual? our sponsor for today's episode, Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 a few weeks back. When we get in the middle of college hoop season, it can be hard for me to eat and drink as healthy as I probably should be, especially in late February and March when the schedule gets really busy. But I found that I felt better as I've made AG1 a part of my daily routine. I take AG1 in the afternoons after the coffee is worn off and once the itis post-launch has kind of set in. And what I found, my energy levels are up. It's improved my digestion. And as a result, I'm not only more efficient and productive in the most important time of the year for me and for the field of 68, but I'm working out more consistently. I just feel better. AG1 is so much more than just a greens powder. It's comprehensive health and the power of habit in one. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally could not be easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of the AG1 formula with water, and I drink it every single afternoon. Done. Just like that. I also like that it only costs $3 a day. The price is right. If a comprehensive solution is what you need for your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is the answer. They are giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Free! Just go to athleticgreens.com backslash field 68. That's athleticgreens.com backslash field 68. The link is in the description below. Check it out. Support the field of 68 and feel better about it. Having off air uh, and we'll continue in the afters of whether or not Tyler Hansborough, Drew Timmy was the better college basketball player. Let us know in the chat. There you go. Oh. Welcome back, Field 68 After Dark, Sirius XM Channel 84. That is College Sports Radio. We are live over on uh, our YouTube channel. We are streaming. Um, we are answering questions from the chat. We are hanging out with you guys, and we are here uh, until midnight on Sirius XM. We'll be here a little bit later in the afters. Uh, we got to talk about the Big East, guys. We got to get to Creighton, and we will. And we got to get to Xavier and Sean Miller beating his alma mater. We're we'll getting that in just a little bit. Uh, before we do, though, UConn beat St. Mary's by 15. Uh, they beat Iona by 24. Adama Sonogo was completely dominant this weekend, and I will just say that in every game that has not been officiated by a Big East refereeing crew, UConn has won by double digits. I'm not <laughs> saying that there's a conspiracy there, guys. I'm not saying I'm not saying that the officials are out to get Danny Hurley. I'm just connecting a couple dots. Uh, T.L., we'll go to you first since I know you got the UConn shorts on right now. What'd you make of the Huskies in the first weekend? What'd you make of them tonight? Um, and and where do you stand on this group moving forward? I don't know that there's a more physically imposing team in college basketball left, and I we can run down the list of uh, other teams and the rosters and how big the guys are in the front court, like physically imposing uh can defend anybody and guys I, I talked about norchad omir being one of the strongest guys in college basketball he's right there with sonogo like that th those guys are they, they are so overwhelming and they can dominate you on the glass and they can overwhelm you on the perimeter with their length you know they, there wasn't a ton of live ball turnovers from saint mary's but they pushed out every catch or they were pushed out in their offense so much just because of the sheer size of what UConn brings to the table. And they just couldn't stop them. They were shooting 54% inside the, inside the lane to 38%. Like, what are we doing? They are so big and so physical. And like we said, teams that are able to play in the mud physically are going to be able to hold up, throw in a couple of other guys, Jordan Hawkins, Tristan Newton, guys that can hit shots. Very much uh, 
very much in the realm of possibility that they're all the way to Houston. Not only Houston, they win the whole stinking thing. I wouldn't complain about that. Tyler, what do you make of UConn? Well, I think coming into the tournament, also, I'm just going to say this, early in the year, they look they look very, very good. And they look like the team that could win it all uh, to start the season as well. And so these past two tournament games have just kind of backed that up. They've kind of found their rhythm again. Uh, Sunogo, to me, is just dominating the paint. Like, there has been no answer for him on either team uh, that he's faced uh, these past this this week, and he's been dominant. The way Jordan Hawkins is is shooting and playing, uh, they are to me the team. Now, someone asked me, "Is there anyone that can beat Bama?" I think UConn can beat Bama the way they're playing in a series in a seven game series. I, I love UConn, and I hope I didn't just give them the ultimate jinx, but uh, they are my team to win right now. Yeah, me too. You uh you picked them when we filled out our bracket on the uh on the show on Wednesday. I picked them when I filled out my bracket. Uh, I feel very good about them moving forward. You know who else feels very good about UConn moving forward? Dan Hurley. We were able to catch up. Uh, well, not us. Jeff Goodman was able to catch up and make amends with Dan Hurley after their win over St. Mary's tonight. Dan Hurley. All right, here a few days. Yeah. You get to the Sweet Sixteen, and we made up as well. This was huge. Yeah. Which I, was more important? Yeah, I would say the Sweet 16 by far, you know, but this was also just an added bonus, like uh, uh, hitting a bonus on your contract or something. Just what, what does it mean to you, though? I mean, you were, listen, you were high-fiving everybody in the arena after that win, cheerleaders, security guards. What did it mean to you to get to the Sweet 16? It means a lot, and um, I think the way that we've done it, too, with uh, you know, the type of culture we have, uh, you know, the way we go about things as a program, the type of people that we recruit, the way they carry themselves. Um, you know, we, we do things the right way with great people. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, really good people can, can, can win big things. Hawkins didn't do anything in the first half. But, man, I said he looked like Rip Hamilton in the second half a little bit, didn't he? Yeah, and I talked to Rip on the bus uh, coming to Albany, and I said to Rip on the phone, you know, I, I need a Rip performance in these games. Uh, yeah, so it's been great to hear the last couple of days from Ray and Rip and, and how impressed they are with the way he's playing. And I'm sure I'll get more texts from them. But, you know, you need firepower, firepower like that from the perimeter if you're going to advance in this tournament. Rick Pitino and Randy Bennett, two pretty good coaches that you ended up beating here. Yeah. Uh, just how much does that mean to you? I mean, I have just so much respect for, you know, the, the profession. And obviously you have great respect for the people that can really coach. Uh, you know, tactical guys, player development, people that do it year after year after year. So, um, you know, it was a, it's an honor to share the sidelines with, you know, two, with two of the best. Last one. You're now headed to Vegas. You got Eric Musselman in Arkansas. Can we have some sort of, like, pre-fight? You know, we're in Vegas. You and Mus, you both have good personalities. Can we have, like, a, a pregame weigh-in or something? Or, you know, like one of those, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to start laser treatment on my back and manscape my chest before I could take my shirt off potentially and do like a, a, a pose down. Uh, plus, I'm not sure if anyone really wants to No, that. no. Andrea certainly doesn't. But it should be, you know, I think it's going to be a fun game. I think they, uh, you know, I've obviously seen them a bunch, super talented team. Uh, and, and I think it's going to be a pretty fun up and down style type of game where there's going to be a lot of really good players on the court. All right, congrats, Dan Early.
So I already recorded a 15-minute instant reaction podcast. You can find that in the Top Dogs podcast feed or on the Field of 68 YouTube channel if you want a full breakdown of my thoughts on what happened here. But I will summarize it by saying this. UConn beat a very good St. Mary's team by 15, and they steamrolled an Iona team by 24. And Jordan Hawkins, their probably most dangerous player, has been uh, playing well in those two games for probably a total of about ten minutes uh, in the second. Have they half had the easiest. Have they had, have they had the easiest ride to the Sweet Sixteen? I wouldn't call it. St. Mary's is good. They got they got a little lucky against St. Mary's because the Duke's kid um, hurt his back. I don't know what he did, but not having his shooting changes what they do offensively. So that was a pretty big loss. Speaking but. speaking of backs, I, I never thought we would hit a day where or Danny Hurley is <laughs> is talking about manscaping his back. So yeah, that was uh, th- there's that. That that's what we bring you on the field of sixty eight. All uh, access, all right. <laughs> sometimes too much access. Yeah, all right. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about Creighton because I think Creighton was a team a lot of us had pegged as a potential national title contender heading into the season. Uh, they struggled a little bit early in the year. They lost twelve games throughout the season. They got smacked in the Big East tournament. It didn't look great for them, but now here they are coming off of an 85-76 win over Baylor. Ryan Nemhard went for 30 tonight. Ryan Kalkbrenner went for 32 the other night. Uh, It's the first time that different players went for 30 points um, in the NCAA tournament uh, for the same team in like 25 years. So, T, we'll start with you. What do you make of this Creighton team? How dangerous are they moving forward? And now they draw... Uh, is it Princeton? So they have to play, beat Princeton to get to the Elite Eight. There's worse things in life than having that draw. Yeah, I, I haven't beaten Princeton, uh, but I think Kalkbrenner has been the key. And I know uh, midseason uh, when he was hurt is when they really slipped. And uh, a lot of people have, have also questioned their depth, their bench play. Uh, yeah. But if they get – you know, somebody that comes in, not scoring a ton, but just gives them a positive impact on the game. I think that's going to be crucial. But also, Kalkbrenner, I mean, if he plays well and he plays like he's, you know, played in the first game, I mean, they're – I'm not sure they can get past Bama, but they can compete with him if he plays that well. Uh, what I will say about Creighton is they have the guards that are fast enough to compete with Alabama. The only problem is Alabama's deeper, and you alluded to it. I, I think that's the big uh, issue there. But, guys, when they're rolling and they're good, I mean, goodness me, you have shooting, you have scoring all over the place. Nimbard was terrific tonight. Went for a 30-ball and pushed the pace, knocked down shots. Columas had his days. He he wasn't even needed all that much today. We had mm-hmm. had some foul trouble and still ends up with 11-7-2 and a block. Like, they have so many different guys in that starting five that could have 30. Like, Kalkbrenner's gone for 30. Shireman's had his history of where he's gone for 30. Uh, we've seen what Trey Alexander could do last year whenever Nimbard was hurt, and he's turned into their best perimeter defender. He ends up with 17 today, 17, 8, and 5. Like, it's a team that moves the ball. It's a team that shoots it. But like Tyler said, I, I worry about their depth, especially when they play against somebody like Alabama, because not only is Alabama fast, they're extremely physical. And if Kalkbrenner gets in foul trouble, that's a problem. And – they hit their slump earlier in the season whenever he was hurt. If he's in foul trouble, it completely changes uh, their ceiling. So very narrow when it comes to their bench. And then are they going to be able to keep up physically? Because if you don't have, you know, seven guys, it, it worries me typically. Look what happened to Carolina last year. They all started getting hurt right in the right on the last weekend. Yeah, you know what's unbelievable uh, uh, about Calc Brenner, though? Huh. He does not commit fouls. He yeah, but he got four today. 
Yeah, he had four. He's had four in a game five times this season. He's never fouled out of a game in the last yeah. two years for Creighton. Like he just he has this uncanny ability to just kind of go straight up and just just wall up. Like he's very very good at that. So he's uh, incredible it, at seven feet of being able to maintain his distance and still be close enough to block shots. Yes, but like, he'll be tested tested a little bit, especially when they go to that lineup where they play Clowney at the five. And uh, who's the who's the kid that had nineteen and fifteen in the first round? Pringle, right? Yeah, Nick Pringle. Yeah, Nick Pringle. So, golly, go I almost lineups. had that kid at Division Two school. You're not gonna believe that. Mm-hmm. I All was right, trying so, to recruit him. <laughs> Last thing, Sean Miller, uh, Field of '68 alum. Le- a little less than a year ago, right? I believe it was a year and four days ago. He was on our Selection Sunday show. Four days after that, he gets the job at Xavier. A year to the day after getting the job at Xavier, he beats his alma mater, Pitt, smacks them. They were up by 20 before they kind of let things slide down the stretch. But uh, now he is in the Sweet 16. T.O., what do you make of this group? How far can they go? Because I, I watched them play, and when Colby Jones and Suli Boone are playing the way they did, if Kunkel's making shots, like that is a team. that they, I think that they can they, they could beat Texas, and I think they could get to a Final Four. Yeah, I, yeah especially if they're rolling offensively. Guys, mm-hmm. I mean, Kobe Jones, he had 10 points, 14 boards, seven assists. And, like, he was the catalyst to everything they do. He's grabbing our defense. And they were all on the defensive board. So what does that mean? That means he's getting it off the rim, and he's igniting the break himself. And he's such a good passer. And they have so many shooters around the perimeter. Like, you can spray it every which way, and you're going to find somebody who's capable of scoring. Adam Kunkel went berserk. I think you saw the best version of that Xavier has to offer in that first half when their offense is rolling. Guys, would they have 48 in the first? Mm -hmm. Stupid good. Stupid good. Fast, efficient. They pass the ball incredibly well. And when they're hitting shots, they're so dangerous. I just wonder if there's going to be a team when they take better shots and Texas isn't going to take a ton of crazy ones and they're going to play a little bit slower. Like Pitt kind of played into their hands a little bit because they'd take a bad shot, they'd get a rebound, they'd be out of position. I don't know that Texas is going to do that. That's going to be an absolute battle. All of that being said, whenever they're scoring points and Kobe Jones is as good as what he was today, they certainly can make a Final Four. I just feel like Texas is playing really, really well right now. Mm-hmm. Well, Tyler, we were going to get your reaction, but then T.O. decided to have a three-minute monologue on. Yeah, Xavier. I did a Barkley. So, I'm sorry. So so on, uh, on the other side of this break, uh, we're going to talk about Miami, who, for my money, has been the most impressive team at least on that side of the bracket in the NCAA tournament. New York. My bad. So, so, uh, so guys, my bracket has officially been busted. I think you could thank Purdue and Fairleigh Dickinson for that. But don't worry, because if you're like me, you get a second crack at this thing. Run Your Pool is hosting a Sweet 16 pool for us. There's a $500 prize pool for the Sweet 16 Challenge, so you get to compete against us once again. And... Make sure that you check out Run Your Pool if you need to host any bracket challenge or any uh, pool or anything on the Super Bowl. They have more than 50 game types for every sport that you can think of from uh, traditional bracket pools to survivor games to -to head-to-head games to my personal favorite, the squares. Uh, The scoring is customizable. You tailor your rules to your liking. So make sure you get to play.runyourpool.com backslash field six eight that's f-i-e-l-d six eight and get your picks in before the sweet 16 tips off on thursday evening when we will be in las vegas ladies and gentlemen we're going to be there live uh we're bringing to you i don't know if that's going to be a good idea my man is intense <laughs> um 
Last time that T.O. was in Vegas is a true story. He got so dehydrated that he uh, passed out and had to go to the hospital to get an IV, right? I didn't go to the hospital. I, I got because I was walking around to Summer League, which was a terrible idea. Terrible idea. And it was 130 degrees out there. I was mm-hmm. like, well, I'm not sweating that hard. It's not a big deal. It's not the case in Vegas. Don't do that. Don't Listen, do if that. I, if, if when we're there, I have to go to the hospital and get an IV, I'm telling everybody it's because I was walking Ten around seconds. outside. That's what, that's what happened. <laughs> it's a good lie. Like, no, that's what happened. <laughs> Here you go. Welcome back to the Field of 68 After Dark. We are live series XM Channel 84. That is College Sports Radio. We're streaming over on the YouTube channel. Jump in the chat. Ask us some questions. We are presented by our partners at Underdog Fantasy. A $100 deposit. If it's your first deposit, it's a 100% uh, match if you use the code Field. Terrence Oglesby, Rob Doster, Tyler Hansborough. We are currently watching Gonzaga, who has made a pretty big run here in the second half. Drew Timmy has really gotten it going. Uh, Drew Timmy, not better player than Tyler Hansborough. That has been confirmed based off the answers that we got in the chat so far today. Look, guys, we're going to talk about FAU and their trip to the Sweet 16. We're going to talk about the end of the Fairleigh Dickinson ride, and we're definitely going to get to this uh, Gonzaga-TCU game once it goes final. But before we do that, man, T.O., we got to talk about Miami. You're an ACC guy. uh, You've been on this Miami team for a long time. Yeah. Isaiah Wong, no Chad Amir. I thought Jordan Miller was absolutely fantastic tonight. How good is this team? What kind of run can they go on? Because they're I, so they're they so could dangerous. Be Houston, man, they could be Houston. They could, and it's because they thrive in some of the same ways that Houston thrives. I'm not sure they're as big, but I promise you, they're as strong. Like they have so many different guys that can create shots. Isaiah Wong can create shots. Jordan Miller can create shots for others. And Norchad Amir, he he's got some Booker in him. Like mm-hmm. he, he's got some Trevor Booker in him. He has that ability with his strength and athleticism. He, he's one of those. Uh, I we used to say country strong. Like he looks big and strong, but he looks he plays even stronger than what he looks, which is kind of amazing. But they they just have guys that can create shots. Pat can knock down threes. Wuga Poplar took a big time spill today, but I think he's going to be okay. Like they're moving the ball, and then when they need shots at the end of the clock and they need somebody to make a difficult one, they have several guys that can do it, and Isaiah Wong is that guy most of the time. But it could be somebody else on a given day. Like, they're good, and they're for real. And even though they're a little undersized at the five, he's so strong it doesn't matter. I'm with you, T.O. And this let's talk about this team was one win from going to the Final Four last year. Experience says something. Uh, Jim Laranega does a great job getting his team prepared. And also, you know, I've, I've talked about this, and you, I know you know about this, T.O. Indiana sometimes has a tendency to no-show. And, you know, I was really thinking that they would come in and I wanted to see how they play against Miami, especially Chase Jackson Davis. I thought he had a decent game. But – Miami just dominated them, and uh, they really took over in the second half to me. And George, the, the Miller kid and the Wong kid, uh, their backcourt's just too strong. Yeah. I, I was really disappointed with um, with Indiana defensively. Like, I thought that they would – I thought that they would show up. It's the it's a chance to go to the Sweet 16, right? You got the guy that – the probably the best player that is left in this tournament. I thought that they would show up a little better than this. It, it felt a little um, – there was like a 10-minute stretch at the start of the second half where it felt like they were really fighting. But beyond that, I, I don't want to say they were going through the motions, but it just did not look like a team that had their backs against the wall. That's what Miami looked like. Mm-hmm. They, they were didn't board very well. Yeah. Like, 
Indiana struggled on the boards, and, and Omir took takes so much attention. He had eight offensive boards, but the thing was, he got a bunch in the first half, and it was like they were so worried about boxing him out, they forgot about Jordan Miller, and they forgot about Isaiah Wong, who had four. Mm-hmm. A lot of weapons on that Miami team. Like, don't be surprised. They, they might not pass the eye test compared to some of these other teams, but I'm telling you guys, like, Houston's a good matchup, and if they beat Houston, they're either playing Texas or Xavier. I, I'm not mad at it if I'm, a, if I'm one of those 35 Miami Hurricanes fans. Mm-hmm. Let's do a quick post-mortem on uh, post-mortem. That's a hard word to say, post-mortem, on the Indiana season because they came in with the reputation of uh, potentially being the best team. Uh, there you go. Tio's got the uh, the candle out. They, they came in with the reputation of potentially being the best team in the Big Ten this year. Um, and they we saw it in flashes, right, Tyler? Like, we saw moments where they looked like a team that was a real threat to get to a Final Four. But I think not having Xavier Johnson, I think having to rely – on a freshman in Jalen hood Shafino that is kind of just like a, a mid-range score was a little bit too much, and then there wasn't enough of a supporting cast. I, I just – I thought that we would get more out of Indiana, but maybe this is just who they are. Yeah, and, you know, you can talk about that. Sometimes they no-show. I mean, I remember uh, watching them play UNC in Indiana, just destroyed them. I thought they looked like the 96 Bulls. And then I watched them when they went to, to Kansas and played Kansas – Absolutely no showed. And then, you know, I said something about, and everyone hits me up on Twitter talking about how half the team's hurt. And if like, I, I don't care, like, Hey, when are they healthy? Uh, and when are they at their best? That's my, that's my uh, question. If you play, don't complain about injuries. Uh, but they just never hit their ceiling. It was a peaks and valleys Valley year for them. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Do you anything? What do you think, Rob? I, I told you, I'm, I thought that we would get more out of Indiana this year. And I think part of it is probably just the fact that Xavier Johnson was never there. And that was part of the reason why, well, a big part of the reason why that I, I thought that they were the best team in the Big Ten heading into the season was because of how well Xavier Johnson played in March last year. And yeah. not having that second creator, I think, is something that really affects you. If you look at teams that make runs in March, you got two guys in the backcourt. Tyson Walker and AJ Hogard immediately come to mind, but then it's something like Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler, or being able to have Jalen Brunson and Ryan Archidiakono in your board, in, in your backcourt, or Peyton Siva and Russ Smith, or Ryan Boltwright and Shabazz Napier, or Kemba Walker and Shabazz. Like those are the teams that make runs. When you only have one guy who's not really a passer and not really a guy that's going to be a threat outside of kind of getting to that that mid range pull up, like I think they were just kind of limited. And when you combine that with the fact they couldn't get a stop and couldn't get a defensive rebound against Miami, like, who knows? Miami's our ACC team, though, right? We got two ACC guys here. Yeah. I mean, Miami's good, guys. Miami's good. I I think they were quick to get discouraged this year. I I think, like, because there was a couple times today, especially early in the game, like, they would have a good defensive possession. They were swarming to the ball, and it didn't matter because Isaiah Wong would hit one over the top or – uh, Omir would, would get an offensive rebound and a putback. Like it was a team in my mind that got quick to get frustrated. And then on top of that, like with Xavier Johnson being out, like it kind of took away how they were dynamic. But then at the same time, kind of on the flip side of that, like that's when uh, Jalen Hushafino got going. Yep. So it was like, I don't know. They just, they just weren't as good as we thought. They, very good team, tournament team, won a game. Not yeah, as final four as we thought they would be. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the same thing as Kentucky, right, Tyler? Like if you're Indiana, 
if you're Kentucky, if you're Duke, if you're one of those programs, I'm not putting Indiana in that group. You're not putting Don't put Indiana, Indiana in that group. I, I agree. It's been a while, and also you got out rebounded by 17 points. Miami's not known for being just a physically dominant team on the boards. Mm-hmm. I mean, what they're known for is their backcourt in Wong and Miller. Wong was an ACC Player of the Year. Uh, he didn't have the first uh, a very good first round game. I thought he kind of forced it, which is uncharacteristic for him. But through his ACC play, the reason people really liked him is because he let the game come to him, and he really got his teammates involved. And I thought that came with experience. Mm-hmm. All right, so Miami, probably the best team in Florida this year. Second best team in Florida this season, the Florida Atlantic Owls. I do think it's pretty pretty neat, guys, that the team that we were taught, like the, the mid-major darling, right, the best team outside of the power <laughs> conferences all season long, has found a way to get to the Sweet 16. Like, we've been hyping this team up. We've been talking about this team. And now they are here in the uh, in, in the Sweet 16, heading to Madison Square Garden. Uh, they took out fairly Dickinson. Sad to see FDU lose. FDU, uh, first 16 seed to ever win two games in the tournament. I don't think you complain about it too much if you're an FDU fan. Uh, T.O., what do you make of this group long term? Can they... Can they compete with Indiana? Because I do – I'm sorry, Tennessee. I do think that's going to be a fascinating matchup. you got the skill and the shooting from Florida Atlantic. But Tennessee, like, those are those are grown-ass Look, them, men. Them's grown-ass men. Mm-hmm. And they're going to foul – they're going to foul you every time down the floor. And, like, that's, that's all well and good, especially in the tournament. That's great, right? But what I take away from this Florida Atlantic team, it, it's no fluke, guys. Like – you look at all their metrics, everything. They're top 40 in the country in both offense and defense, despite playing in Conference USA. When it comes to the metrics, sometimes that can help it fluctuate a little bit. That all being said, they've been dominant from start to finish. Like, it, it, Dusty May has done a terrific job. He hasn't had a losing season since heading down to Boca. And in the 11 seasons prior to him getting the job, there was only one winning season. You tell me that this dude can't coach his butt off. And now – I, I, what did I, I think they only have one senior. The rest are all underclassmen. They're going to be just as good next year. But you look at their roster. They share the basketball. John L. Davis was special today. But he ended up with 25, 10, 5, and 5. Like, they have some guys. There is some talent. I know you're not a huge Jalen Gaffney guy, but I, I think he's good enough especially at that level to really, if he's gaining some confidence, like he could be good. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Since when am I not a huge Jalen Gaff? You're not. You weren't when he was at UConn either. I don't want to hear Yeah, that. well, you know what? He found his level. Well, well, let's put it this way. Like, <laughs> he, he he's a good player, and he's at that level, and he got some confidence, and then now they're playing well. Like, it's a team that, because they've been dominant from start to finish, they're, they're just so full of confidence and bravado, and they're still young enough not to know any better. Think about that. They could, they could bring this entire team back. Well, until they get in the transfer portal and realize what that NIL money looks like. Yeah. Or they won't. They live in Boca. They might, they might, you know, trip over some money. That's fair. fair. 29 points, 12 boards, five assists, five steals for Janelle Davis, Tyler. And he jumped on an interview with Jamie Erdahl, who's great uh, after the game. And she asked him if he plays like he has a chip on his shoulder. And he said, yeah, I've been trying to prove this shit since day one. Realized he just cursed on national television, and Jamie Erdahl responded by saying, it's all good, man. We're on true TV. Uh, what was the dumbest thing that you ever said on a live TV interview, Tyler? Oh, man. That's uh, put me on. Let me see here. Nothing comes to my mind. I've said a lot of dumb things in interviews. and sounded <laughs> awful. Obviously, I've grown a lot. 
Uh, but uh, Coach Williams would have me. You know, Coach Williams doesn't like the cussing. Uh, but, no, I love that response. It's true TV. That was great. Uh, also, Florida Atlantic, I like their style, get up and down and, and really get after teams. I think that was good. But FDU, that, I mean, the same style. I really liked it. It was a good game. Make a pick, guys. Can they win? Can FAU get to the Elite Eight? No. They're not no. getting past Tennessee. Too dominant athletically and too big. Yeah, Tennessee might might break a couple of necks on the way there. Like that's how <laughs> physical they are. But when uh, hey, I, I got a, I got a I got a story about an interview one time. You want to hear mine or is it? Is yeah, mine absolutely. I, mean, I just didn't realize anyone wanted to talk to you. That's the only thing, <laughs> huh? I just re- didn't realize people wanted to talk to you. Yeah, horse shit, son. So <laughs> so I'm uh, Mike Morrell still gets pissed at me because you know I you know hey look grew up in Tennessee yada 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 you know have you ever heard of these uh, Tennessee fainting goats? Yes. Have you heard of these, Tyler? No. Huh? Okay. So if you scare these goats, they 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 just they they spaz up and then they just fall over. And they're like, "What? When did you start like falling on your three point attempts?" And Mike Morell, who was a GA at the time, he had to take us back to the media area. And I was like, "Well, I grew up in Tennessee, so like I learned that when I was out on a farm, I was, you know." you scream at these goats, the goats fall down. I was like, Hey, that's a great idea because now I can get some foul calls and be just like the Tennessee fainting goats. And Mike Morrell was so mad at me for the next month. <laughs> he was like, dude, you may, and I don't know if you've ever talked to Mike Morrell, but you talk deep Tennessee accent, man, you made our whole daggum state look bad over here talking about some fainting goats. No, they ate it up. That's obviously not why I did that, but yeah, he brought up fainting goats in an interview. Yeah. Well, made news. Well, well, listen on the, uh, we got to get to break on the other side of the break. We're you don't want to hear about goats. Stories. We're going to get more stories from Terrence Oglesby discussing the fainting goats of Tennessee. And we're also <laughs> going to do some, uh, some first weekend superlatives uh, coming up next. <laughs> Morell was right. pissed. Morell was pissed. All right. T.O. Yeah. Do you ever get tired of trying to prove that you won an argument, that your takes weren't hot, that they were just correct? Hey, well, Rob, this is probably the worst sponsorship ever for you because you like we get your bad takes too. You don't just have to bring up your good takes. All my no, all my takes are good. All my ah. takes are good. And I have an answer to your problems. Vaulted okay. is Ooh. a new sports prediction app that turns your opinions into facts. Uh, I think uh, I'd be very concerned if all of TO's opinions were fact. You can store all, all of your predictions and hot takes in your own vault now and forever. Challenge your friends, keep track of the results, and prove that you are, in fact, the smartest one on the podcast. Vaulted has also released more than 50 pools. Uh, we'll have more coming out during the NBA playoffs. So make sure you download the app at the link below. Sign up for your three-month trial and store your predictions now and forever. Uh, we're, we're watching the end of this Gonzaga game right now. Uh, Gonzaga's up by five. TCU looked like they were going to win this thing, and then uh, Gonzaga kind of made a little bit of a run here. Actually, I'm sorry, they're up by six. 30. It's 70 to 64 with Uh, I think they're at the under four now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Drew Timmy, 24.7 boards, three assists. That's uh... I need him to get two more boards, motherfucker. <laughs> what do you got, eight, over eight and a half? Well, yeah, I got him going over eight and Ten a half. Ten seconds. Three. Undo. Mm-hmm. Fucker can't even get it against TCU. Five. There you go. Welcome back. Field of 68 after dark. We are live series XM channel 84. That is college sports radio. We're also streaming over on our YouTube channel. You can look it up. Field of 68. Uh, we will be there for about 30 minutes after the show here on series ends, answering your questions, getting in the chat. We will probably be reacting live to the end of this Gonzaga TCU game since it looks like it's going to uh, go past the end of our show on series. So uh, make sure you jump over there. Come hang out. It's fun. Um, all right. It gets a little reckless in the afters, more reckless than T.O. discussing the fainting goats of Tennessee. I want to do some superlatives from the first week, and I want to talk a little bit about uh, what had happened, a little bit of a look back before we jump straight into the Sweet 16. So, Tyler, I'm going to you first on this one. I think I know what your answer is going to end up being. Who was, for you, the most impressive player? of the first weekend it's my guy adamas no go uh you know 24 points uh today eight rebounds 28 points 13 boards uh in the first game guy's been dominating the paint and i love it to uh I, I gotta go with my man uh I, I thought kobe jones today was just ridiculously good and that you know his scoring numbers aren't you know, fantastic, but it's just his ability to impact the game in so many different ways. He guards the best player. Uh, he, he rebounds, he passes, he runs, he, he he does everything. I asked at the beginning of the year, and this was dumb. I asked at the beginning of the year, like, what does he do? And the sucker just does everything. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just so multifaceted. He's so big and strong. Like, he is a, a really good player. And it, the reason I asked that was like, what does he do from a professional standpoint? I'm not sure it matters. Like, he's big enough, he's strong enough is going to be able to guard multiple positions. And there's room in the NBA for like big, strong guys that are really smart. He and that, shut and, down. He shut yeah. down Terrell Burden in yes. the first game. Like he just, they were down by 13 with like eight minutes left. And he was like, he's your pit bull. This dude is not scoring anymore. Yeah. Okay. We're cutting off the water there. And Xavier came back and made a run. Mine is uh, Marquise Noel. I feel like that's not going to be a surprise based off of kind of the way that we've talked about him tonight. First game, 17 points, 14 assists, six boards. Today, he had 27 points, nine assists, uh, three steals. He won that game for uh, for Kansas State against Kentucky down the stretch. All right, the most impressive team, Tyler, who kind of – is there a team that changed the way that you view them after seeing two games this weekend? There's not a team that changed after the way they played this way. I, I thought UConn coming into the tournament – uh, was going to be tough, and after their first two games, I think they're tougher. I think I think UConn can beat Bama. I think they got bodies. They got guys that can get up and down. 
Uh, Hawkins can go off at any moment, and the way Sonogo is just dominating the paint, I got to go with them. I like where your head's at. I'm just hoping that they beat Arkansas first. Like, it's going to be a tough one. Let's get past the Hogs. T.O., who was the uh, the most impressive team? Did anybody change the way that you view them? I'm not sure change the way I viewed them, but I, I think Arkansas getting over that hump, like we've all kind of – like this is the third year in a row that Musk has gotten Arkansas to the second weekend. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's two elite eights in a row. And now he's heading to Vegas with a hell of a team, and they're going up against a hell of a, a hell of a Danny Hurley team. I, I think it's possible. Like it, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the tournament, and you did, and I was like, I just I like Illinois more. I feel like there's a lot, there's a little bit more cohesion there. No sir, not the case. And all of a sudden they're playing together. They're playing well. Must talked about how how proud of him they were, how proud of that group he was, the, he was or whatever, and. Like they, they played together. Like, and, and when you have that collection of talent, you have to do that. And they certainly have that. It's going to be a war in Vegas. That's going to be a great show. So I, I think Arkansas falls into that category, but there's several others. Yeah. For me, it was Princeton. And yeah, it's just, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, I did not lay up. I did not realize. So when I was, well, I've watched them play this season, right? And when you see Tosin Awoma go up against other Ivy League guys, he just looks like a freak. But I just yeah. kind of assume like that's him going up against other Ivy League guys. Once he gets on the court against other high major dudes, like he's going to look like a uh, normal Ivy League guy. Nope. Yeah. Nope. He is such a problem. Arms uh, for days. Yeah. He was, I thought he was the best player on the floor against Arizona. I don't know if he was the best player on the floor, but he was the guy that allowed uh, Princeton to be able to beat Missouri and they smacked Missouri. Like that wasn't even close. It looked like Princeton was the SEC team and Missouri was the, uh, the Ivy yeah. League team. Coming in there. About yeah, yep. smacked them. Yep. All right. I think we all have the same answer for this. Who was the most disappointing team in the first weekend? <laughs> Arizona for me. Um, and and we talked about it. Listen, you get those bigs, you just got to make them guard on their perimeter, make them vulnerable. Princeton smart enough to get it done. I mean, mm-hmm. I was I was shocked. To Purdue's Purdue's the obvious one. Um, I, I got a I got a hot take. Can I give you guys my hot take on Matt Painter? I'll you can do that. I was gonna go. I was gonna try to find another team that I found disappointing, but I'll let you. Go All right, I right, do that while I while I kind of yeah. say this. So, I if you remember when Tony Bennett before Tyler and, and to you, you guys can both uh, probably speak to this. Mm-hmm. Tony Bennett before um, before he lost that game to UMBC was really wedded to the idea of playing two bigs and they would run their blocker mover offense. And for people listening, the blocker mover offense is basically like you have three guards, two big guys, and there's whoever has the ball on the perimeter. It's a down screen or a flare screen. You got the a screener and a guard on either side of the floor. And they just, it's basically running a bunch of two man game stuff over there. A bunch of down screens, a bunch of uh, pin downs, all that kind of good stuff. Um, and against UMBC, having those two big guys on the floor, they got exposed. I think it was that simple, right? They couldn't yeah. guard UMBC's guards around the perimeter. Um, they kind of went four out, and they didn't have enough big guys that were dominant enough. You could throw the ball into them, create a mismatch to be able to win that game. And you got 20-pieced by a 16 seed. Uh, what he did the next year, and that was like the, the end of a string of kind of getting upset earlier in the tournament, and they showed disappointing tournament results. What he did the next year was start running more ball screen continuity stuff. They call it their flow. They went four out. 
They put DeAndre Hunter at the four, uh, and they went with a different look than what they had been using before and a different way to play. I think Matt Painter needs to find something similar to that. We know how good you can be in the regular season when you have a seven foot four, utterly dominant big guy in the paint, right? But maybe that just doesn't really work in uh, in in March. I'll, I'm going to have a point guard to do that stuff now. You need a point guard? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you got to have a point guard to do that stuff. Like yeah. since Etwan Moore, who's been there? Who's been that point guard? They haven't really had one. That's kind of. I'm not, and I'm not taking anything away from Lawyer and Smith. They're just not incredibly dynamic mm-hmm. in how they can hurt you with the ball. I, I think, you know, obviously, whatever, whatever the change is, yeah, you got to change something, right? At this point, I, I, I don't know that it's necessarily their fault. Like, you know, Gillis step out there a little bit. Like, here's another thing too. Like, they they don't see a bunch of mixed defenses. Yeah, no, they like, don't. it's, it's you all just kind don't. of the same thing. It's all kind of the same thing. And listen, we're gonna get to this more uh, in the afters, um, and we're gonna react to the end of this Gonzaga TCU game in the after. Gonzaga is currently up by five with just over two minutes left in that game. This has been the Field of 68 After Dark. Man, this first weekend has been awesome. We have so much more to talk about it. We're going to get into a mini Sweet 16 preview uh, in the after, so make sure you head over to the YouTube channel for that. So for Tyler Hansbro, for the yawning Terrence Oglesby, we're keeping him up. My name is Rob Doster. We'll see you guys again tomorrow night. You're clear. Trevor. Run the ad. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play college basketball pick'em, where you can get a little extra sweat during March Madness and win real cash prizes simply by picking player stats in this weekend's games. In pick'em, all you do is predict whether a player will go higher or lower on Underdog's projected totals whether that's points rebounds whatever for example if you're like me and you think zach Eady is going to go nuts in this tournament pick higher on his points projection add up to four more picks and if you hit them all you can win 20 times your money on a single game underdog slick mobile app is easy enough that dummies like jeff goodman have even figured it out so go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app and use the code Field, F-I-E-L-D, and Underdog will match your deposit up to 100 bucks. Now is the time to get in on the madness. So remember, underdogfantasy.com, promo code FIELD. Welcome back to the afters, where we answer the chat's questions. Um, T.O., I cut you off at the end of uh, rude. End being all serious. I was rude, but I didn't <laughs> want to get yelled. I've already been yelled at by Trevor enough tonight. You guys can't see that. I've been yelled at on uh, text messages. He's been very upset with me, Trevor. I'm sorry. Um, T.O., go ahead. Continue making your point. Matt Painter. I can't remember what we were talking about. Matt Painter. Uh, adjusting oh, defense. yeah. So uh, it's. It, I think it has more to do with the league. Like, in, and I know I've been a Big Ten critic all year, but, like, I think it has more to do with the the, the lack of variability in the, within the league. Everybody plays the same. Everybody plays the same. They cover ball screens the same. They're all man to man, like, except for Penn State. Like, it's it just, there's no variability. Like, think about this. You play against, oh, I don't know. Say you're in the Big East. Sean Miller, offense, running, flying down the floor. Uh, if they stop you, great. If they don't, eh, we'll figure out a way to, to score more than you. Go against Ed Cooley. You're going to have to function in the half court. And then he's going to throw a zone at you every now and then. Then on offense, he's going to play call you to death, do some flex stuff. 
Then he'd play St. John's and then uh, Mike Anderson's pressing and running and moving the whole time. Like the, w- my point is, is in the big East, it's it, you're playing against a different style every day in the ACC. I think it's the same thing. Bayheim two, three uh, Miami individual scoring, Georgia tech, funky zone, North Carolina running a gunner. At least they used to be. Now they don't do that anymore, but like it's, it's a different, it's a different way of, of playing every single night. The big 10 doesn't have that. Uh, so I think it has, I think it has just as much to do with that. And, and just as much to do with like, who's their dynamic point guard that can create shots, especially, or not even that, like handle pressure, figure it out. Like they had two freshman guards against a team that pressed and trapped and ran and did all these things. Like that's, I'm not sure it's their fault. When's the last time they saw that stuff? Well, this is my, this is what I think of the whole situation. I think one, I don't think that it's uh it's a lack of guards. It's just experience also. I mean, they yeah. don't have players. I mean, lawyers, a freshman. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, I don't think it's that you don't play inside. You've got to have somebody to get the ball inside. And so I, for me, I never turn down. I don't say, hey, you know, we're going small. We're, we're going to sit. If you have a 7-4 center as dominant as Zach Eady, you got to have shooters and you got to have somebody that can handle pressure and you've got to be able to make the adjustments because you know teams are going to go small against you and make him try to guard on the perimeter. So how do you counterattack that? Uh, but – you know, FDU had a perfect game plan. They pressured those guards, and then late in the game, it looked like when Purdue even had open shots, their guards didn't even want to take it. If you miss a few shots and you're wide open and you get the ball, it's almost it, – it looked it's like a, they were nervous even to shoot it. It was in their head, and uh, that's what happened uh, to Purdue. And yeah. it, it, it was actually – as somebody who plays basketball, I was like, damn. Uh, I know exactly. It's like when somebody gets the yips on the golf course. It's like you get close to the green, you know you're going to miss it. It's just all mental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Tobin uh, said that in our interview with him on, I don't even know, what was that, Friday night? Yeah. Uh, he was basically – like we saw it in them with about five minutes left that they were – they didn't want the ball and they weren't playing with the same level of confidence, which is not a good thing. That's not a good thing at all for a, for a basketball team. So I, I don't know. I, I just think that – when you keep trying to do the same thing, and maybe this is just an unfair criticism. Like last year they had Jaden Ivey, right? And they had Trevion Williams. They could get they could play uh five uh five out if they needed to defensively. They could switch everything. Trevion Williams could get out guard of the perimeter. You had a playmaking guard in Jaden Ivey. So maybe this is just a Purdue thing. Like at the it's just in there like it was with the Red Sox for a while, right? Where you just were waiting for the way that you were gonna lose instead of trying to figure out how the how you're gonna win. Hey, here's another thing too. This might be a crazy take, but like, I love crazy takes. Yeah, if the tournament was only high majors, Purdue still in it. Uh, I mean, it depends on who they draw. Right? Name a team that they couldn't beat in in a power six. Anybody that will press you. Okay, name a team. Anybody? Anyone that's going to guard that way? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like that's what I'm saying. You don't like I, I don't I can't pick one out. Like like name a team that Purdue would play in the Power Six that you wouldn't feel confident that they would beat. Like, you know I what mean, I mean? I, like, I, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but like, look at who they lost to down the stretch of the season. Like they lost who? to Rutgers. Yeah, well, hey, but but there you here, here's another point. You pressure your guards. 
So, like, but if they played tomorrow, I would feel good about it. They got swept by Indiana. They lost to Maryland. They lost to Northwestern. Um, pressure, pressure, pressure. Guards, guards, Rutgers, guards. Like, yeah. We just come on with the Indiana. The pressure, 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 pressure. What Indiana? Nah, Indiana. Saw, I, I just saw the, Indiana. The, the, get the rivalry stuff doesn't Miami. count. The rivalry Indiana stuff gave up eighty-five rival, points hey, to Miami. The rivalry stuff doesn't count. Okay, so we're, are we just ca- canceling out everything now? Well, I mean, look at the Duke North Carolina rivalry. <laughs> North Carolina can be terrible and still like keep up. Um, I was told it's not a rivalry anymore by Shamond Williams. So, well, Shamond, Shamond, I'll tell you what, <laughs> Devil came home, son. <laughs> <laughs> he came home to collect. Oh man! All right, uh, I, I want to talk about a little bit about the the Sweet Sixteen. Um, let's look forward just a little bit, and then we can get to some chat questions. Oh, uh, so such good Sweet Sixteen game. Yeah, I was gonna, it's going to be awesome. So in the South, we have Alabama, San Diego State, oh. and Creighton, Princeton. In the in the in the East, in Madison Square Garden, we have FAU, Tennessee, and the Kansas State, Michigan State. In the West, we're going to have Gonzaga, UCLA. Uh, exactly. How about this? Exactly seventeen years to the day from the last time that Gonzaga played UCLA in the Sweet Sixteen, when Adam Morrison. Uh, the the collapse and crying on the floor before the game was over and Gus Johnson with the call. You guys remember that game? Yeah, that was that was. I don't understand the crying on the floor during yeah. the and game. And then and then Arkansas, UConn, and then in the West, which is probably the best region in my mind, is Houston, Miami, and Xavier, Texas. So uh, I ask you guys this, Tio, we'll go to you first. Which region do you think is gonna? If you could pick one place to be next weekend, where are you gonna be? I'm Vegas. Vegas. What are we talking about? Vegas. People didn't come out and see us out there, man. That place is going to be great. Arkansas, UConn. Like, it's not the highest rated group of the whole bunch, but like, it, it's arguably the most talented. Mm-hmm. Like, Arkansas, UConn, Gonzaga, UCLA. Like, style of play, clashing of play between Arkansas and UConn, Gonzaga and UCLA. Like, two teams that should be in their own league, like, not in the Pac 12 and not in the, you know, WCC. Like, that's going to be that's going to be really really cool, and they go head to head for a lot of recruits too. Like that's that's I think Vegas is is going to be awesome. Yeah, the Gonzaga fans are going to take that over too. Oh really? They know how, Gonzaga fans know how to get to Vegas. When you live in Spokane, you want to find a way to get to Vegas. Tyler, which uh, which region are you most excited to watch? Where could you where'd you go if you could pick one spot? If I could pick a spot, it'd be the West. But for this, for watching, I'm gonna go with the East. Uh, I want to see uh, – I think Tennessee will beat Florida Atlantic, but I want to see out of Kansas State, Michigan State. If Michigan State plays Tennessee, I think that's going to be a real intriguing game uh, just from the fact that they can both just beat the shit out of each other. And uh, I, I want to watch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, did you all discuss uh, – were you on last night's show, Rob? I was not. Did they discuss how piss poor the officiating was in the Duke-Tennessee game? Uh, no, they did not. Why? It was brutal. I, I I thought like you couldn't even. It was. It, it got to a point where it wasn't even basketball anymore. Yeah, that's what like, Tennessee does. That's how Tennessee wants to. Yeah, play. and and look like I was thinking Tennessee's a Final Four team at the beginning of the season, and they went through a little bit of a lull. They couldn't score. Like we forgot the fact that like how big and physical plays to their advantage in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Like they are imposing, and they're they're going to make the Elite Eight. And not only that, like. You know, if they don't run in, I, I think Michigan State will be an easier matchup for them than Kansas State would. Really? Yeah. Because I because I, Noel is is lightning quick. He's going to be able to get wherever he wants. There's no Ziegler to match up with him. Who's going to guard him? 
Like, and Keontae Johnson can make shots on his own. Like, I think Naquan Tomlin is like I, I really like that kid. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I hear you. They're just they're they don't have anywhere near the size, right? I I think that they're going to get eaten up physically against it. Like Naquan Tomlin is going to get put into a pretzel by Josiah Jordan James. <laughs> I don't know that he's going to be able to catch him. Fair, fair. Like, I would say that the uh, the the South. No, I'm sorry. The uh, the Midwest is the region that I think is the most uh, most interesting and, and probably will end up with the best games. I'm really looking forward to that Houston Miami matchup. Guards on guards on guards. Marcus Sasser, Jamal Shedd, uh, Tremont Mark, Isaiah Wong, Nigel Pack, um, Jordan Miller matching up with some of those. Like have the the versatility of Jordan Miller against like the two bigs, big physical bodies that uh that Houston's going to throw at you. It's just a fascinating contrast of styles to me. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. And the Xavier Texas is going to be unbelievable. Like, yeah, just. Xavier, I, I'm sorry, Texas. I feel like we're not talking about them enough, right? I feel like it's com- strange that they've fallen under the radar so much. Like the, the conversation that we have about Texas, somehow it always comes back to like, yeah, they're good. Give Rodney Terry the job. And we don't talk about the fact that like Serge Barry Rice is a stud. Like yeah. that dude is not phased by the moment. He is a winner. And he's got the best pump fake I've seen since Sam Young. Uh, Marcus Carr has completely reinvented like who he is. You could not trust him for three years at Minnesota. He's been playing at a borderline All-American level this year. Dylan Disu, Tyler, how good was he? How good was he on Saturday? Yeah, I'm I'm with you on this Texas team. They're not getting on enough attention. Uh, yeah, I mean, they have athletes at every, every position. I th- also think they're big, and they have the ability to, uh, if they were to meet a Bama, they're another team who I think physically could match up with Alabama and as well, but Timmy Allen to me is also an uh, important mm-hmm. piece as well. He can hoop, uh, but yeah, I'm with you. They're not getting enough attention. You agree, Tio? Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're very good. There's just something about that team that's it's not really electric. It's just really good. Like the thing, the thing that you take away whenever you talk about Texas, and like this is a great thing. But it's man, Serge Ibari's Serge Ibari Rice's pump fake is good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's there's not there's a lot of very good college players. Tyrese Hunter's very good. Serge Ibari Rice is a stud. But like, who's their next level guy that's really going to make you turn the page and watch Texas? And it, it, I, I I I'm saying that as like this is it's a very good team but like th- that's why we're not paying as much attention to them does that make sense well yeah it does yeah i mean like it, they're they're very very good and ronnie's done a great job like they guard and they, they you know marcus carr is a good player who might get a two-way next year or end up in europe making some money in russia or whatever but like it's it's you know they're, they're good it's just like what's what really jumps out it, what jumps out is the fact that they're just so freaking solid and they're old they're old too like they got a bunch of fifth year guys kobe year guys um they're they're old they're very experienced here's another hot take for you i think san diego state's gonna give alabama a hell of a fight hell yeah they are they're huge yeah they're huge and they're tough and they're physical and like i don't think there's any back down with those dudes at san diego state dude what's his name Jaden ladee mm-hmm. looks like david robinson Matt Bradley's got like he looks like he should be a wrestler instead of a basketball player. He's got That's the ugliest call. shot I've ever seen that goes in. Like I, I was told, I was told that guys that were in the weight room couldn't shoot anymore. 
right? <laughs> it wasn't that the thing. Like if you, oh, I can't lift, it's gonna mess with my jump shot. In the middle, that's what they yeah. said. I actually, I stayed out in San Diego one summer when I was still playing. Bradley was in a gym, and we were playing some uh, pickup basketball. And we got into it a little bit, just naturally, and there was no back down. You got them, into it with someone? Oh, shocker. <laughs> we just – it was random, and uh, he was a tough kid. And I gained a little respect for the people that I kind of get into it with a little bit. But uh, he is tough, and they are physical. It's it's going to be interesting. But I, I got Bamo. Yeah, I think, I think that's the one thing that you can kind of – like if you're going to beat Alabama, you got to be able to make a bunch of those freshmen feel uncomfortable, right? They got to they got to know you. They got to feel that you're there. Brandon Miller, for as good as he is, weighs like 185 pounds. Noah Clowney's a twig. Charles Bediaco is great, but you can you can get physical with him. Like Nathan Mensah can kind of push him around a little bit. So I think that's what you got to do. Um, all right, I'm going to put you guys on the spot. We're making. Uh, making picks here. We're redoing our brackets. We're projecting who we think is going to get to the final four and who's going to end up winning it all. Let's start in the South, Alabama, San Diego state. Who you guys got? Bama, Alabama. Bama. Sorry. Go ahead. T Bama. It's easy for me. Yeah. Can Creighton beat? Uh, I'm sorry. Can Princeton beat Creighton? Yeah. No, no, no. I got Creighton moving on. Tio, Tio wants to take Princeton. I can see it in the No, space. I don't want to take Princeton. I'm taking Creighton. I'm high on Creighton. I had Creighton to the Elite Eight anyway. You know, Alabama Creighton? Can, can Creighton? Yeah, I, I, I think the San Diego State game is going to be tougher than people realize. Like, because San Diego State, they, those dudes really guard and they, they have a habit of making it ugly. But my only counter to that would be like, you know, Bama's guards are old. Like, there's some young guys on that team, but Bama's guards are old. So I think they'll be able to handle it. Mm hmm. All right, uh, let's go to the east. Let's stick on this side. FAU, Tennessee, I think we've all kind of determined. Tennessee? Yeah. Yep. Here's the interesting matchup. I'm really curious what you guys say about this. Kansas State and Michigan State. T.O.? Uh, I'm going Kansas State. Kansas State? Yeah. Tyler? The vibes are too good. The vibes are too good, yeah. Is it Jerome Tank dancing in the locker room? Is that what convinced you? Yeah. No, no, I, I just – there's so much individual talent. I, I think the individual talent on that Kansas State team is just more than Michigan State. I know they're tough, but I think Kansas State gets it. I, I want to pick Michigan State because of Tom Izzo and his experience and his tradition at Michigan State. But I cannot go against Marquise Noel uh, and Keontae Johnson. And I really like Michigan State. I like Izzo. But to me, you can give those that ball to Johnson or Noel, and they can get you a bucket. Uh, so I'm going with Kansas State. And uh, Kansas State to the Final Four. That's what we had in our bracket that we filled out on Wednesday, Tyler. You sticking with it? Oh, man. You know what? I, I can't uh, – it's Tennessee for me. And the reason I say that is because I think they're too big and physical. Uh, I think it's going to be very difficult for Noel uh, with that type of – of size and physicality. Yeah. I, I just can't go against Tennessee. I think they're starting to be the team that we all kind of the numbers and the, the research said that they were. Mm -hmm. All right. T.O., I'm assuming you agree. Yeah. I think it, I think Kansas state, if they shoot the ball, well, they can keep up and potentially win, but Tennessee, man, like they just cover so much space. That floor is so small. Whenever you play against the balls. 
Mm-hmm. And like, I, I caught some shit on, on Twitter for saying Plavsic is a dirty player and he is a dirty player. And he is. But here's the thing, like there's value in him being a dirty player. So like the fact that he's willing to put an elbow in Filipowski's throat, he's willing to re- literally run from half court and just cross body block Filipowski at the beginning of the game. Like there's value in that. And mm-hmm. he didn't hurt him, but there's value in it because he sets a tone. He talks a lot of shit. I'm not sure if they understand him because he's Serbian. Yeah, no one but understands like, what he's saying. Yeah. So, but that's what I'm saying. But th- there's value in that, and they they are they are right on the edge of dirty. But they a Rick Barnes coach team has been that since gosh he was back at Clemson. Like he had huge dudes when he was at Clemson too. Like Tennessee is going to win. If it's just, I actually think the fact that Zeke was not there helps him a little bit. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Uh, let's go to the South Houston, Miami. Is Miami a chance? I'm going with Miami in that one. I'm just putting that out there for you guys. I'm going with Miami in that one. I'm betting on the guards. What you got, T? I'm, I'm going Miami, too. I'm worried about the health of Sasser. If Sasser's all the way healthy, I'd go Houston. Um, I, guys, I think Houston's really, really good. And I think that they have some rugged dudes that can match up with Omir. I think I'm going to go against you guys and go against the ACC. I think I'm going Houston. Xavier, Texas. God, that's going to be a good game. I'm going to go Xavier. I just think that they play well together. Offensive powers going to be too much for me. And I know we just pretty much put Texas in Springfield, but I'm I'm going Xavier. I think Sean Miller's done a great job. I think I'm going Texas because Texas is not going to take some of those shots that Pitt did today. And they're not going to be able to get out and run as much. So that means Xavier's going to have to operate in the half court a little bit more, which I think plays into Texas's hands. Um, give me Texas. Yeah, I think I'll tend to lean towards Texas too. That is the game. Just I because they're going to take better shots. That's literally why. But, and then that eliminates more. I think that's the game we're most likely to see a buzzer beater from. All right, yeah. this is the big one. T.O., this is the big one. This is the big one. Arkansas, UConn. You don't have Arkansas shorts on right now. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> You're not wearing Arkansas. The shorts. only thing is, is Arkansas's backcourt is more talented. UConn's frontcourt is much bigger. So it's like, what what do you want to play? The thing is, is like, I just don't know that Arkansas shoots it well enough to like really space it like they want to. And I think UConn could beat them on the boards. Yeah, give me UConn. Like, give me UConn. I'm going UConn too, and I think if the kid, the Walsh kid for Arkansas, if he knocks down some outside shots, uh, I I think think it could be a game. I think it could be a game. But to me, nobody's messing with UConn. Uh, They have too many elite scores. They're too athletic. They dominate the paint too well. Uh, They're the best team in the tournament right now. They're going to steamroll them if Arkansas has an off night. I like that. uh, I like that thinking. I'm gonna. I'm gonna refrain. From picking this one, shut up! Because I I believe in jinxes, so I'm not going (laughs) to jinx it. I'm going to refrain from picking this one. I believe in jinxes. All right, right. Gonzaga, UCLA. um, This is going to be a fascinating matchup. I think UCLA gets them because I just, at the end of the day, I trust Mick Cronin and I trust Jaime Hawkins and I trust Tiger Campbell, and I think they're just that much tougher, right? And also, Dean Bona looks like he's going to play through that like shoulder. He's in pain, man. He's hurt. it looks like it just it looks like it popped out on that dunk. 
Yeah, yeah. Like he he like I think he's just playing through pain. Like he doesn't he doesn't even know how to wear his mask right. Right? Like I think he's just kind of out there going. I I love him. I love he watching him play. But he it's it's amazing um that it basically took three years for UCLA, like running gun UCLA, to completely embody McCrona's DNA. Like that that is not a UCLA, that is a McCronin team. It's fun yep. to watch him. I like him. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be a battle of pace. I, I think if the game slows down, and I think it will because UCLA is gonna walk it up. Mm-hmm. I think it plays into UCLA's hands. Give me uh UCLA. I have them in the final four anyway. I don't know why I'm doubting myself. Yeah, there you go. I'm going UCLA too. I, I like Mick Cronin. I think he's gonna uh make it real difficult for Timmy. And I think if you you know, I think UCLA has the bigs and the size and the defense to kind of contain him. And I think Gonzaga without him, it's 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 over. Yep. All right, let's talk real, real quick about this Gonzaga win over TCU because it's the only one we haven't gotten to yet. They ended up winning 84 to 81. Damian Ball hit a three with one second left on the clock. <laughs> That was very significant for those of you that had TCU plus four and a half. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Maybe that's why we don't have Gonzaga beating UCLA in the Sweet 16. But Drew Timmy, 28 points, eight boards, three assists against one of the uh, most aggressive defensive teams that he's going to end up seeing. Um, They didn't really shoot a great Malachi Smith had 11 off the bench. Uh, I'm, I'm just so torn on what to make of this team long term and like big picture, right? There's no more long term. Well, I just I don't trust their backcourt. Like I just well, don't then there you go. Pick UCLA. Did you pick UCLA? But I did pick UCLA, but yeah. they combined for I'm doing some math in my head. 38 points and six assists tonight. Strother, Bolton, and Malachi Smith, and they made seven for they were shot seven for 18 from three combined. That might be good enough. That might be enough to get them past UCLA. I don't know. Where do yeah. you guys stand on them? Go ahead, D. Yeah, you, they're not going to get those opportunities against uh, UCLA. They're not going to go up and down uh, like they did against TCU. Uh, what they're, I just don't see that happening. I think UCLA is too good defensively. And Timmy, he's got it. Like he's got to hit the boards better than this. When TCU is not a good shooting team, you could easily get a double double on that. But you know, I'm like UCLA is is just going to present too many defensive problems and make it ugly. Uh, yeah, it, it, like I said, it's a battle of pace. But, like, another thing, too, when you play TCU, they're going to get up into passing lanes. And sometimes if they don't get that steal, then they're leaving themselves susceptible. UCLA's not going to do that. Um, every shot that, that Gonzaga is going to get, especially in half-court situations, is going to be contested. Um, that That's kind of where the difference is in my mind. Like, if you can handle TCU's initial burst of pressure, which they did – then you can get past and you can make passes and do, you know, this, that, or the third. I, I don't know that they're going to have those same opportunities against the Bruins. I, their backcourt's good. It, it's good. It's not a great backcourt like they've had in recent years. Yeah. To me, that's the difference. You don't have any killers back there and you're not good enough defensively to make up for it. All that said, you put 51 on TCU in the second half. Right. right? Like, I, I think the world of TCU, I think that is a very good team. And Gonzaga beat them up in the second half. All right. Trevor. We got any questions in the chat? Yes, we do. Um, Knock a couple of these out and then call them night. T.O. keeps yawning over there, man. He's making I didn't tired. yawn. Yeah, you've been yawning over there nonstop. Yeah, I forgot. Well, he, he <laughs> back, I, for, he, I forgot I was on camera. He backed yeah. down on that quickly. Um, 
thoughts on FAU's dunk attempt at the end of the game when the game was already out of reach and then there was a skirmish type thing and I don't know what it was. People are asking. No, uh, there wasn't a skirmish, was there? Well, the uh, coaches Tobin, were like Tobin and and uh, and Dusty like just kind of talked it out. I'm sure Dusty was like, "I'm sorry about that." And Tobin was like, "Ah, hey, get your guy, whatever." I don't think, whatever. I don't even think it was that. I think it was like, "Hey, you just made the Sweet Sixteen. Not a huge deal." Yeah, it, it was just a non-issue to me. Well, what like, do you? What, how do you guys feel about the dunk? Attempt. I thought it was he pretty missed, cool. He missed the fucking dunk. <laughs> yeah, but it was an awesome attempt. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at with it too. Like I'd be more mad at him for missing the dunk than than trying to dunk. Like if you're gonna do that, you gotta hit it. You can't you can't throw it off the back of the rim. Yeah, I don't know. T, it doesn't strike me as the kind of thing you would do. No, I wouldn't do that. I had a teammate who uh, we were playing NC State <laughs> in the ACC tournament. He he had that opportunity and threw it down. Ty, I, I'm not a fan of the dunk at the end of the game. I'm I'm old school, a little more respectful. But hey, the dunk would have hit the over. Hey, um, right. <laughs> Hey, make the damn dunk, though. If you're going to go up, just make the damn <laughs> yeah. dunk, especially if it's for the over. Yeah, that, I thought it was that, a non-issue. I didn't that, that's my whole thing. It. It's like, if you're going to do that, you can't miss it. Like, you got to finish it. Otherwise, you just look like a doofus, and you create all this drama for nothing. Right? Like, it's going to be there, was, there, was there drama? Yeah, people are going to talk about it. We just, the first question we got in the chat in the afters was about it. Just make the dunk, says the guy that dunked, like, twice in his life. So, 50% career dunker. <laughs> Trevor, what else we got? Which team remaining has the most pressure on them to win? Oh, that's a good question. Bama. I say Houston, and I say that because they play in the American. Everybody's doubted them all year, even me. I think their their quality opponent's been just awful. Honestly, I don't think anybody has pressure on them to win. Once you get to the Sweet 16 – Right, like you got out of the first weekend. There's no like real. You get you could get beat by a team that that is going to be an underdog, but there's no real upsets anymore, right? Maybe it's Creighton because you don't want to lose. Like if you got a chance to get to the Elite Eight, Greg McDermott's never been to the Elite Eight. You don't want to lose to Princeton, but like I don't think anybody's got pressure on them, right? Like to me, pressure was John Calipari not losing the first round. To me, pressure was Dan Hurley not losing in the first round. To me, pressure was Purdue getting out of the first round. I don't know. Yeah. I think I think Purdue could have felt a little more pressure. <laughs> I think that was part of the problem. Hey oh. Oh man. Uh Alabama slash Houston or the field. Which would you take? Ooh, that's a good one. I would take the field. I would take the field actually. Yeah. I'm taking the field too. I picked UConn. Yeah. I would take the field. For a lot of reasons, but mostly because I think that, like, neither Alabama or Houston is, like, good enough to be able to say, like, they they got a cakewalk to the Final Four. Like, San Diego State is going to be tough. Creighton, if they yeah. get hot, can beat literally anybody in the country. Mm-hmm. So. Houston's banged up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Question that. Yep. Got to be the field. Which team remaining has the best backcourt? Ooh, that's a good one. Isaiah Wong, Nigel Pack, Jordan yeah. Miller, Marcus Sasser, Jamal Shedd, Suli Boom, Colby, Colby Jones. God, there's a lot of good ones. Yeah. Arkansas, Anthony Black, Nick Smith. Yeah. Marquise Noel and literally anybody else. Mm-hmm. Not Gonzaga, I'll tell you that much. No. And theirs is good. It's just. Yeah. I, I, man, 
I don't know if you guys would agree with this. I would take Miami. Yeah, I would take I those that. dudes. Like, they've been through some wars. They know what it takes to win in March as a team that doesn't have the necessarily have the uh, the expectation to win. Um, Jim Laranega knows how to put those guys in spots to succeed. Get, give me Miami's guards. Creighton's are good, too, now. Nimbard yeah, went for 30 today. Trey Alexander's a stud. Yeah, they are. Like, Alabama's rotation of the, those three guards, like Jaden Bradley, Mark Sears, Quinterly, like, they're good, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shit, there's some not, good, hey, really good college good. teams, man. Really good college teams. What do you guys make of the fact that there's no – like, so the biggest I, – I, tell me if you think this is crazy, but I think the biggest brand left right now is – I mean, UCLA probably, but, like, UCLA isn't what they used to be. They don't look at the same kind of buzz. Like, UConn, Michigan State, like, there's no huge UConn. brands left. Do you think that's a good – is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, for TV ratings, probably a bad thing. But there's a couple of teams that really travel. UConn really travels. Arkansas travels. Tennessee really travels. Michigan State travels. Like, Michigan State, I would say probably – as far as basketball purposes are concerned, I think that's a big brand. Gonzaga, UC- UConn probably. If you're now that they're out of the American and not playing their conference tournament in Fort Worth, if you're if who you're, di- dude, who decided on that? By the way, what? I know this is water under the bridge. Who decided on that? Decided on what? UConn going the American. The people that make decisions for football money. <laughs> yes. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Not a good idea. I'm glad they weren't too proud to fix their mistake, though. Hell yeah. Like, because there's, there's a lot of people that would have been like, no, nah, we made this mistake. We're going to ride with it. No. Like, oh, get back to you. Yeah. And even if that means they end up, like, going to the ACC or something like that, which I really hope does not happen, stay in a Big East or a Big East team. Mm-hmm. I, you know what they need to do? Honestly, they need to just – they need to break football away from everything else. They need to Notre Dame it. Yeah, just let football go do whatever you want to do. And that's what I, I think. They, I think they should do that entirely. Yeah, like it, not just connect, like not just Connecticut. Like no, I'm, entire, t- yeah, I'm talking about I'm talking about everything. NCAA just have it as its own separate entity, and then the NCAA take care of every other sport. Like yes, like football ruins freaking everything. everything. Fucking football. Football, though, so. Watch the field of 12, though. Yeah, watch the field of 12. Field Trevor, of 12. what else you got? Uh, all right, let's send it in a toast with this one from Brady, who's a Marquette fan and very destroyed at the moment. He wants to know <laughs> what your guys' opinion on fried pickles is. I love them. Fried pickles with ranch, pretty good. Yeah. See, I go with the with the, with fried pickles. You got to get like a spicy aioli kind of a deal. Maybe like a chipotle ranch. You get real fancy with your pickle, don't you? Okay, let's do. I'm with To Ranch, good little appetizer. Go to toast. (laughs) (laughs) Three and zero on fried pickles. Tyler, I'm teeing you up. Take it away. This is from my guy Marquise Noel. Just going off tonight against Big Blue Nation, just destroying them. I thought they were out of it. He hit some miracle shots, made some big time plays. He has my toast tonight. Good job. What are we? What are we drinking over there? This is a little blue run. Now, this is that's one of the good, best. That's what uh, Tyler likes that stuff. It's we, one of the best things to come out of Kentucky right here. It's a good whiskey right here. It's my favorite <laughs> thing to come out of Kentucky. So, I'm going to give this one up for a moment. What you got, Rob? 
You go first, and I'm gonna take it away. Or what am I drinking? Yeah, some kind of tequila that my wife got. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Fancy. I don't, I don't have my drink. I, I drank my Lacroix and I threw the can away. That was stupid. Oh, I used my candle. Uh, cheers, to Marquette. Uh, cheers, to Marquette. Into the season, I, I thought I thought they had a really good run. I thought it was a lot of fun to watch. It, it's it's almost disappointing that they don't get to go further. But uh, Marquette, all those guys. You know, Shaka, hell of a year, all those guys. And I want to also make a, a cheers to all the feelings of Providence fans everywhere because they're going through it right now. Yes. Cheers Man, to them. You, I, I you did not Indiana. help matters. You did not help matters by tweeting out a picture. Tyler, did you see what he did the other day? Did you see no. what this man did? He tweeted out a picture of Providence shorts and Georgetown shorts. He laid them on his bed. He tweeted out a picture <laughs> of Providence shorts and and uh georgetown shorts and he said which one should i wear today <laughs> also i got a prediction you want to hear my prediction yeah Quilly is staying i think he's gonna stay you want to hear my prediction you want to hear what? my prediction Cooley is gone 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 six million reasons to leave <laughs> oh man all right my uh my my toast tonight my cheers is gonna go out to the one and only drew timmy um, it feels like this season we have not appreciated the fact that we are quite literally watching college basketball greatness. I don't know if he's better than Tyler Hansborough was when he was in college, but the simple fact that we are putting Drew Timmy and T in the same conversation tells you everything you know. Hey, Tyler, okay. Tyler, I got to stop this. I got to stop this. Tyler, rebound a little bit more. Hey, Tyler, <laughs> Tyler, let me ask you this. How many points did you score in college, Tyler? I can't even tell you. I'll talk okay, so 3,000-some-odd points. Dude, what would he have scored in the West Coast Conference? He would have averaged 47 points a game. Look, look you're missing the point. I'm not no, – that's, that's you're the, missing point. the point. That's the point. No, you're missing the point. Like, we're, we're not – he just put 28. He just put 28. He had 28, 8, and 4 tonight against TCU. Okay? I feel like we're we, – because he plays for Gonzaga and because he plays in the West Coast Conference and because we don't watch him every night and because we're like, oh, this resurgence that they had is because they don't play anybody in that league. We're like, whatever. This dude is a great player. He's a college basketball legend, like it or not, whether or not you are ACC he is biased. He is so um, I just he's he's one of the great characters in the sport. And I feel like we've kind of glossed over what he is and the season that he's had this year just because they haven't been uh, a top five team. So. Drew Psycho T would have broken Pistol Pete's record if he played in the West Coast Conference. <laughs> man, I love Timmy, man. Let's not yeah, knock him like that. He's, he's, he's having, having, a, he's hey, having but, a great year. Hey, look, hey, the okay, points got to come from somebody. That's all fine and good. But the only problem here. It's apples to oranges. It's not the, only the problem here. The only problem here is that we are toasting the to Drew Timmy and we don't have a Dos Equis. That is the only problem with this situation. So to Dos Equis, to Drew Timmy, to Terrence Oglesby, to Tyler Hansborough, to our producer, Trevor Valise, to the chat. We will see you guys again 11 o'clock tomorrow night. Cheers. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs. 
from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.